Want you to get up this morning Skip around like a lamb Well, he gone God don't never change Oh, always will be gone This is Cynical Sheep And tonight, Tony and I are with McCaslin Ash from Lifewater Church uh, He's the worship leader there McCaslin, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, glad to be here uh, so tell us a little bit about where you grew up. So where I grew up is um, a, a little bit, a little bit here and there. I spent a lot of my early childhood in a town called Weldon, Louisiana, which is just right smack dab in the middle of nowhere. But it's close to Homer, uh, which is a more maybe a recognizable town for most people. The metropolis of Homer. Yeah. Yeah. Thri- absolutely thriving. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's it. I, I was there until about the third grade. Um, and that's when I moved to Bozier. So I've been in the Bozier area for the majority of my life at this point. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to tell you right now, for those of you who don't know geographically, uh, that that is a little hole in the wall because I've been here my whole life now, and uh, Weldon, I don't know that I could drive to Weldon, and I've lived in Omer, so. <laughs> yep, it's very small. There's a church and a school, huh. and the school's not even, the school's not in Weldon, so. Gotcha. But yeah, okay. very, very, uh, very rural, grew up in a, in a little trailer on seven acres, just living just an honest, an honest life, an honest, simple nice. life. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. until about eight years old so yeah that's where things got complicated yeah uh, all right well what speaking of that were uh were you raised in the church so i um i will say generally yes in the sense that faith and jesus christianity well i came to faith at a very young age and so in some sense, I'd say, yes, I was raised in the church, uh, meaning it was a part of my life, but I was not raised in, in, raised in the church in the sense that a lot of people may say they were, like we were there every time the doors opened, like my parents were super hard and strict on if church is happening, we're going to be there. It was actually kind of a split decision at least according to my memory, my mother really wanted to make sure we were always in church. My dad was more on the side of if we force them to be in church, they're going to grow up to hate it. So definitely faith and Christianity was uh, a prominent element and a theme in my very early life. But, but with some, uh, you know, it's not all black and white, but generally, yes. So what uh, what got you into ministry? Well, at the risk of sounding super cliche, the <laughs> thing that got me into ministry was a, a divine call, a divine call from God. And I can definitely expound on that a little bit. If you yeah. guys, please like, do. Yeah, please do. So just a brief overview of my life in general came to faith at a very early age. My understanding, of course, has only grown so much 
deeper and fuller as the years have gone on. But at a very young age, I understood that I had sin. I understood that it separated me from God and that there was only one way, only one person, you know, that was going to bridge that gap and, you know, bring me to a point where I was able to be in relationship with God. And so I might not have stated it so eloquently back then, but <laughs> so that came at a very young age. Uh, my, my childhood and sort of early childhood years were, of course, there was a lot of growing up that happened a lot of, a lot of development of faith where I actually begin to experience uh, the weight of sin and the, the pull of temptation um, and things of that nature. So it, it continued to develop, to develop, of course, as I got older. And that, that all kind of led up to my senior year of high school, which was, I would call it just a spiritual high season for me. Like everything was, I was, you know, all the events up to that point had led me to a place where I was taking this more seriously than I ever had before. You know, I got to read, I got to read my Bible every day. I, this is real. And I had gotten into leading worship at that point. I started playing guitar in the eighth grade. I was serving in a worship environment by the time I was finishing high school. And that's when I went to Louisiana tech for one whopping quarter. So I, <laughs> I am one sixteenth of a mechanical engineer, and I'm, I'm holding on to that. But uh, really, the truth is, by the time high school was ending, I had no idea what I really wanted to do or necessarily what I was passionate about. And so I was good at math. I made good grades. At all, all your friends are going to tech in Bozier. And so I'm going to tech, and I'll be an engineer so I can make plenty of money. You know, that that's the general was the general plan. Uh, but basically, as that began to unfold, I realized really quickly, this is not what I want to be doing for the rest of my life. And the story of how this all kind of collapsed on top of me is a bit long. But the short version is, I was really struggling with it. I was, I was, at, I was going to family members trying to seek counsel, like, what can I do? Looking at all the degree programs that tech had to offer, they all looked, none of them, you know, none of them really pulled at my heart or resonated with me. And so I was, I was seeking, I began to think and pray about the, the possibility of going into ministry. And one day walking back to my dorm room in Ruston, um, I was reminded so vividly of a conversation that had taken place in my first engineering class and I was not what made this so incredible is that I it was not a particularly spiritually dense or meditative moment I was listening to 21 pilots in my earbuds you know really just kind of zoned out walking back to the dorm room and there was a conversation that happened in class early on where we were brainstorming all of the ways that engineers were supposed to basically keep the world from ending. You know, the professor had prompted us with, we're running out of this, we're running out of oil and water and space on this planet. And as engineers, it is your job to figure out how to solve all these problems. 
And so at the time, it was very lighthearted, lighthearted conversation. We'll build a floating city. We'll move to the bottom of the ocean. We'll go to another planet, you know. And it didn't, it didn't have any sort of impact on me at the time. But in this moment, God dropped that, that, that conversation into my head, and I saw it clearly and suddenly, accompanied with as close to an audible voice as I might have ever heard. Uh, which very clearly said, now this is not, this is not a commentary on my eschatological perspectives or viewpoints, <laughs> but that, that's all another conversation. But I, I just felt God clearly say this to me, if I'm going to come back during your lifetime, wouldn't you rather spend your days preparing people for it instead of trying to keep it from happening? Good stuff. Yeah. So that was it. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, okay, you got a point, you know? I mean, seriously, that from that moment right there, it's like, that's it. I'm leaving tech. I'm getting on the track. I don't know. I don't know what it looks like, but I'm I'm going to seminary. I'm going into ministry. A lot happened after that, but that was the call. That is why I got into ministry. That is a great, that's a great testimony. Yeah. That is. Uh I think it's cool too. Your your story is unique, I believe, in the sense that uh, you know your spiritual high you spoke of and everything else up to I guess this point, which would be maybe the new one, but uh, uh, happened so you know later on in high school, where where that pivotal time that most of us I think at least for me and maybe Aaron, I'm not sure the time exactly for him, where it was going the other way, you know, and that's where we were uh, in the wilderness. But that, that's a yeah, that's that's cool. That's a uh enjoy that story hopefully that that gives some people some some hope out there i hope you know people yeah. listening all five of you i hope uh, i was yeah. no i was no perfect <laughs> high schooler either just what's up i was no perfect high schooler to be clear right right the spiritual no. high that was definitely born out of a season of wilderness you know yeah yeah i got you Okay. It wasn't very long, but it it was yeah. there nonetheless. <laughs> um, and so all of this may 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 lead to a unique answer. I, I think we've had another guest on that roughly you, you're probably in the same age range, I would say. But this is an interesting question. The next, uh, because you're on the younger side of our guests, I would say uh, on the average of our guests that we have. So. But I, I love to hear what's your all-time favorite aspect of ministry. So my all-time favorite aspect of ministry, I, I can take. I've got two slightly nuanced angles on this question because there's a more, there's a broader, more philosophical answer, and then there's a more practical, specific answer. The big picture. Both. Do what? Like, give us both. Okay, yeah, the, we're good. the big picture, the, my all-time favorite aspect of ministry is that it is not mine, if that makes any sense. The, my favorite part of the ministry is that it hasn't, I, I hesitate to say it has nothing to do with me, but what I mean by that is that over and over and over again, I get to see God work in spite of my mistakes. 
Hmm. It works in spite of me. You know, he continues to remind me that none of it's in my power. He doesn't need me to accomplish any of the things that he's accomplishing. And at the end of the day, it's my privilege that I get to be a, a part of his ministry. Um, yeah. The ministry of reconciliation, right? The process of him reconciling a lost world to himself through his son. That's the thing that, that I am privileged to be a part of. And so that's vague, but, but maybe it's not, maybe it's not vague, but I just, there's so many, there's so many huge victories that come on the, on the tail end of, long extended seasons of me trying my hardest you know trying to do everything I can do beating my head against the wall wondering why it's not working and right when I've decided that it's impossible that's when all the it just breaks loose right and all and and those kind of things just remind me you know, it, it really hurt. It really challenges my pride is what it does. And it builds my humility because right when I've reached that moment, when I'm thinking, why am I can't do this? You know, I feel like he's saying, right. You know, and here's the point. Yeah. (laughs) Here's the victory. Here's the victory that you've been looking for. Um, So then on a more practical, straightforward level, you, we may have talked about this a little bit before, but I love, I don't know if this is an aspect of ministry, but I love apologetics. And so I think that is an aspect. I mean, it's a, it's a, uh, a subgroup or a specialization, uh, a school, if you will, but, but I love apologetics. I love that because I think that the bad rap is that Christianity is illogical and unreasonable. And so apologetics is very broad, depending on, you know, the defense it depends on what you're defending, you know. Yeah. Apologetics for the faith in general, in terms of, you know, atheism, agnosticism, and the, the defense of God's existence in general, or apologetics in more uh, specific senses, defending Christian orthodoxy against heretical groups and things like that apologetics is very broad but i love that uh just the exercising of logic and reason in love of course uh just defending the faith yeah yeah that's cool i mean just the the forethought of god's plan and what's required of us to i mean what's required to the intricacy of of a plan like going back to what you said where you know, the, the more, the, the, the more we, the cycle, right? The wheel of, uh, the more we, 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 we try to do, the more, you know, we, we try on in our power to further the kingdom, more of those things that uh, God reveals more and more to us through that process and how much more growth comes from us just stepping out in obedience and, and, and doing those things, even though we're nowhere near equipped to do so and everything else, but how he uses that on the other end to grow each of us that's yeah uh, and there's such there's such a balance because the you know him bringing me to the point of realizing that i can't it's not me is not to is not so that i stop doing anything Hmm. you know there's such a there's such a balance 
there's a lot of tension and a lot of balance required in almost every single, you know, thing that we're dealing with uh, as believers, I think. But, you know, it's not so that I'll just sit at home and throw up my hands and say, well, I can't do it. So I'll let you do it by yourself. But in in yeah. my obedience, I'm knowing and trusting that the power and the agency of change is not coming from myself in any way. Yeah. You see that example all throughout the Bible. Um, I mean, you pick one. <laughs> no, uh, you know, there's no, there's no one um, story or character that, um, you know, gets by on his own qualifications. It's, it's the exact opposite, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and the ones that are getting by on their qualifications that are doing what they think they're, what they should be doing, whatever. Those are the ones that, it's like in our eyes of like, oh, that should be a good example because they took initiative. But then in the in the Bible's in God's view, it's like, no, that's not what I wanted you to do. That's not what I said to do. And so it's used as a, an example of how not to be. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, what is what would you say? This is a two part question. What would you say would be the hardest part about being in the ministry? Um, and what would you like to see changed? So, yeah, um, I set myself up for this one a little bit because this, the hardest part about being in the ministry, like you said, I'm young. So I don't have, uh, you know, years of stories of church drama and difficult (laughs) church members. I don't have that. Just wait, just wait. Yeah, wait. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah. I mean, not that I haven't been a part of, not that I haven't been burned or, you know, things like that. Like, it doesn't take long to see the human side of the church if you're in it for any amount of time. But the hardest part about being in ministry, I would say, is that thing that I mentioned uh, just a few moments ago with, and, and it really is living in this tension um, there's tension between a lot of things, but specifically there's a tension being in ministry, right? We're talking about sort of walking and serving as some sort of leader or, or, or something in that effect. I think it, or at least that's what I'm, that's what I'm talking about it. I think the tension is that high standard, like, how do I, how do I really accept like where's the where's the balance between knowing that that I'm called to this, but also knowing that I'm not better than anyone else, right? I I'm not. I it's it's such the balance of of keeping your pride in check, but also keeping your calling. Uh, I don't know, just respected and held at the level that it deserves to be, because we see we see warnings, you know, let not many of you become teachers. Yeah. Because yeah. because there's there's a higher standard that will be, and obviously that's there's a lot that kind of goes into that in terms of I'm responsible for what I'm teaching people and I'm responsible for the example that I'm setting. And that is a heavy burden. But then at the end of the day, I can't let that puff me up. Um, if anything, I have to I have to let it increase my humility and not my pride. Uh, but yeah, that's the hardest part so far that I'm living in, that I'm experiencing now is, is 
walking, you know, walking, living a life that's worthy of my calling, but at the same time, not being too hard on myself, you know, yeah, still allowing myself the grace and forgiveness, but then not allowing the grace and forgiveness to, to become a license for disobedience, you know, constant balance. balance. Yes, yeah. very much so. Now that's good. Uh, and, yeah, and it's got to be, and, and yeah, just the, you know, the world, the society we live in for a young guy, it's, uh, yes, it's, it's got to be a daunting thing to look at. And uh, I, and I suppose every generation looks at it that way. It seems like, you know, I'm sure every generation thinks that they're fighting more sin or whatever, you know, or what's more acceptable. And that's probably happened throughout time, but that's, uh, yeah, that must be a, a daunting thing as well um, for somebody, you know, uh, young and it is getting, you know, a start into their ministry. But uh uh, do you have, and speaking of that, kind of leading into this other, this last question, uh, do you have a message for someone who may be struggling with their faith or Christianity in general? Yeah, Tony, you know I've got a message. You know I got a message for him. <laughs> uh, yeah, I. This is this is really, I, I think, near and dear to my heart. It's just one of those things that. I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people can be driven away from the church. Uh, and a lot of time it's just because someone gave them a really bad answer to something. And, mm -hmm. and there's so many just misconceptions and it's not like, and just untruths that are kind of propagated. And I kind of, I kind of mentioned it earlier that, that people, there's a bad rap that Christianity, there's a war, there's a supposed warfare between faith and reason, between Christianity and science, between, you know, all these things, like, they're not mutually exclusive, like, the message is this, God is real, yeah, God is real, and that, that truth, that reality, it permeates it transcends so many different levels and it goes all the way the bedrock the foundation is that god is real and it's not illogical it doesn't de deny logic the, the christian worldview is not an invitation to abandon reason in favor of blind thoughtless faith that's like a tagline we love is you know we live by faith like that's where faith comes in and there is certainly an extent where our understanding will end and will not carry us into the fullness of knowing Christ. But it does not, it, but there is plenty about God, right? That that does exist within our logical faculties. That's the point. And I don't know if I'm just hopefully I'm not just like spewing mumbo jumbo right now. I think that makes sense. It makes sense in, in my head. Um, but like we're not. The Christian worldview is not uh, God's real. We don't know why. Like Jesus is real. We don't know why. You just have to have faith. Like you just have to believe in it. And no, it doesn't really make sense. Like it's not about if it makes sense. It's just about you have to trust. You have to trust that it's real. Like yeah, there's a bit. There's like a bit of that 
there's a p- tiny piece of truth there, but that in general is just lazy. That's a lazy answer because the truth, the truth is that God's existence is logical, right? Not the opposite. He's not in competition with science. Science is yeah. echoing the right the the beauty of his creation. Science is yep. revealing things about creation. Science yeah. and theology are not attempting to accomplish the same thing, and they're not in competition. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the existence, the claims of Jesus are historically verifiable. All of these things, God is real. God is logical. Jesus is historical. And he loves you. Yeah. He loves you very yeah. much. And he's patient. He's patient in your doubts. You know, you're not uniquely evil or flawed because you worry about these things or doubt these things, right? You're just like yeah. the rest of us. It's just humanity. Yeah. Um, but the point is that he's always there calling and beckoning you to trust in him. So, yeah. No, that's good. That's good. Um, and it's, I, I think, you know, back to the first point you made, I, it, it's, it's almost as though those questions are, those questions weren't necessarily answered for that by that person. And probably, probably like you said, lazy is probably a better way to describe it. They probably didn't realize they were given a bad answer, but yeah. to, like you said, to some degree, if you're talking to a mature Christian, there's things that you can say that are understandable. A Christian will understand, but to a new believer or somebody that a non-believer, yeah, there's things you could say that, yeah, that that's right. It could it could have an adverse effect. That um, so that that's that's good, and 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 that goes hand in hand with all the other sin. You know, the the responsibility of teachers and things like that. That's that's why that is understanding that dynamic as well as everything else as well as you know the uh what you share you right. know who you share it with and knowing your audience and all of that so that's good yeah one thing that's uh i'm not dogging on anybody but just one thing that struck me as a younger christian was um like the you've known somebody just just the fact that you've known somebody who's you've seen them in the church and everything else for years and years and years and you ask them a question and then, you know, like you're saying, they give you, they give you an answer and you're like, man, eh, I don't, you know, so like you're saying, like a bad answer, maybe they're not mean it to or anything else. But then, over, you know, as you, as you study and as you grow, you realize that it's not their, well, it's not their necessarily their fault to give you a bad answer. They were just in the church and they were still biblically illiterate. Yeah, you know, because they didn't they didn't do any studying on their own. They just took or they they only studying they did is on Sunday morning and the rest of the week they forgot about it, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah. We, you know, I mean who's not guilty of that? <laughs> and they they only they gave a bad answer because they were given a bad answer. Right. So, and, uh, yeah. So it's not to really come down hard on anybody that's ever, you know, not knowing what to say. That, <laughs> I, you know, I'm definitely not trying to uh, be super critical of that because I, the yeah. reality is that it's going to happen to all of us. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. And no, I just think it made for, you know, a, a, an interesting point that we need to be made there, you know, that people, you know, at least be mindful of that. I mean, because there's, you know, and if you don't know, um, 
know who knows or know who may have a better answer. You know, that may sometimes maybe that's the best best answer is to know who to guide somebody towards. If you know, uh, anyways, that's uh, good stuff. That's good stuff, Mash. Uh, I knew you. I knew you would be a insightful, thoughtful guest. I'm, I'm glad you came on and joined us tonight. So oh, I'm glad I didn't let you down. Yeah, man, we appreciate it. <laughs> Yeah, we're absolutely. So, what do y'all think? Let us know. We know you're not going to, but I'm going to ask anyway. (laughs) We're going to keep asking. That's right. Yeah. So, if this is your least favorite part of the show, when we ask, get to asking. Yeah. We did. We did. We did get an attaboy last week, so we did get that. Did we? Yeah. Yeah. On the on on the page on the page. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. Uh, so yeah, uh, yeah. Let us know. Let us know on Facebook. We're on uh, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, all that good stuff. So, McCaslin, thank you for coming tonight. Absolutely. Thank y'all for having me, Tony. Appreciate it. As always, Aaron. Thank right. you. Y'all have a good one.